Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Okay, before we jump in, I just want to let you guys know that I'm working with a new insurance provider. If you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash insurance, you're going to be able to find out more. I started talking about insurance with my clients maybe a year or so ago, and I was so surprised, to be honest, when we started going through things and talking to people and they'd say, yeah, our healthcare in the United States costs us $22,000 a year. I was like, whoa, that is unbelievable. Actually, by being an expat, not only can you reduce your cost of living because your rent or your mortgage is less and and food is less and transport is less, but also your insurance is less. So if you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash insurance, you're going to be able to find out what I'm talking about. They have worldwide coverage if you're an expat or a digital nomad, so you can actually travel with the insurance. It's going to cover you around the world, and you can probably expect to pay maybe a third, maybe a quarter of what you're paying now. And I mean, me and my family are on this program and we get inpatient, outpatient, full drug plan, zero deductible, dental, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's really like a platinum level plan and it's all included in this. So if you guys are living overseas, even if you have insurance right now, you might want to look at changing. I'm really stoked to be working with this company and all you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash insurance. That's it. Okay. Let's jump into today's interview. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is The Expat Money Show. Today's guest is the researcher, co-writer, and visual designer of the documentary Thrive, What on Earth Will It Take? And Thrive 2, This is What It Takes, the most viewed feature-length documentary in history with over 94 million views. That's wild. Previously, he was the CEO of Mindsender Corporation and an instructor in the nonviolent martial art of Aikido. He was the on-screen host for PBS documentary Aikido, The Way of Harmony. Please welcome to the show, Foster Gamble. Foster, how are you? I'm doing great, Mikhail. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. You know, after so many phone calls back and forth and so many conversations with you, I thought, you know what? I need to get you on the show. There's so many amazing stories you have, so much research and things that you've done with the documentaries. I'm just really excited to pick your brain today. So why don't we take a second and kind of walk us through your backstory a little bit. I'm very curious how you got to this point. Well, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I have a kind of a solid Midwestern background. And the unusual part of it was that I was born into the Gamble family from Procter & Gamble. So when I got older in life, I found out that I inherited some money, not a ton, but enough that if I managed it well, I could choose what I wanted to do with my life. And so that has shaped a lot for me because it wouldn't do any good for me to go around complaining about my job. So I went to you know elite boarding school and Princeton University and had all the, in a traditional term, the best that the nation had to offer. But I felt really claustrophobic in that environment. I didn't know what was missing, but I really had to break out on my own. I moved to California. I started exploring consciousness and energy and what was going on in the political world and was really shocked by what I found. (laughs) I came to discover that almost everything that I had been taught to believe was actually not true. 
regarding money, regarding history, regarding physics, they're just everywhere. So I kind of restarted my education and really got passionate about energy. I feel like that's what I'm here for this lifetime is to discover and then to help humanity figure out how to relate harmoniously to energy, whether that's electricity, nuclear power, spiritual energy, interpersonal energy. My life has really been devoted to that. Fortunately, it came to enough fruition, both in my understanding of the problems in the world, what's in the way of our thriving, and the potential solutions that could actually have us really thriving as a species on this gorgeous planet. That's when I finally decided to make the movie. That I, you know, I created the filmmaking department at Princeton. I've made little movies here and there, but I, I waited for literally 42 years to start the feature film that I'd always been wanting to make, which would describe what's in the way of our thriving and what can we do about it. And that's what's taken me to here. Well, it's so wild. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, but Thrive is its pretty much an anti-establishment type of documentary. It's really awakening people to what's happening in the world. And you come from a family with one of the most well-known companies on planet Earth, a giant conglomerate. So it's kind of a very unique situation, I would say, between the juxtaposition between the two. Yeah, it was an unusual path for anyone in my family. And interestingly enough, I had been kind of an all-star in the family, you know, going to all these schools and being a, you know, a national level athlete in several sports and just highly respected, you know, president of the class and captain of the team, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden my relatives are hearing from me you know, shocking truths about, did you know the Federal Reserve is not even federal? And did you know the pharmaceuticals actually don't have our best interest in mind? And just on and on. So there have been probably 10% of my kind of close clan that has really gone with me on this journey. Probably another 40% that's kind of, well, I don't think he's stupid and I don't think he's crazy, but I don't get it yet. And then probably another 50% that, you know, some of them will literally get up and leave the room when I come in just because they're so afraid of having a conversation, which would potentially shatter their worldview. Yeah, it's an interesting, once you start going down the rabbit hole and learning about so many things that are happening in the world, and, and really one thing does lead to the next, what happens with existing relationships with family and friends and people you went to school with? And... I mean, I've certainly seen it in my life over the last 20 some odd years. And I'm sure that a lot of my family members consider me the completely radical one. I think that I'm a very down to earth, you know, feet firmly on the ground, realistic, pragmatic individual. But compared to the normies, maybe I am a little bit out there. So it must be a interesting thing to go through in your life when you have all of that additional things being a, a public figure or a, at least a public family? Well, fortunately, we've had kind of a code in our family that love comes first and family comes first before politics and worldview and all that stuff. So when we get together and the, the clan gets together about every five years for a reunion, when we get together, there is an honoring of different worldviews. It's pretty clear who wants to talk deep and who doesn't. But it's been really good practice for me to talk with people that I love and gauge moment to moment, okay, is this the time to say this particular thing or not? And I've really, one of the main things I've learned over the last 15 years is that I don't have to say everything that I know. And I certainly don't have to say it in any particular moment. It took me years to learn not to spoil birthday parties and weddings <laughs> with the <laughs> kind of a conversation about the global domination agenda is such an important conversation because it affects everybody in the world that people are really drawn to it for the most part. But doing that when someone's celebrating their birthday or at a wedding reception, it's just poor timing. So I've learned how to say, when someone says, what do you do? And I say, well, I make films and they go, well, what's it about? And I tell them and they start to go deeper. I say, you know, I would love to explore that with you if you're really interested. So, you know, here's my email, here's my phone number, but let's do that at a time when we can be private and have enough time to really go into it because this isn't the right moment. Yes, I think tact is a very important thing. And after running an organization with many individuals and seeing 
people who have gone down the rabbit hole and learned about these things. And in some instances, people who do not have tact and want to make everything about that. I think that it's important. And, and this really goes for everybody who's listening today. We have only so much time on planet Earth. So yes, what's happening in the world is extraordinarily important. And it is probably the most important conversation. But still, allow yourself to take time and spend it with your family members who you love and who love you. And don't bring the politics and all of these things into every single conversation. Yeah. If we allow these conversations to destroy our relationships or to destroy our enjoyment of life, then the perpetrators of the agenda have won. You know, so one of the key things in learning about what's really going on in the world and about the phenomenal solutions that are available right now is to keep operating more and more from our spiritual center from that place where we just have a direct connection with the unified field, God, cosmic consciousness, Indra's net, the Akashic records, whatever you want to call all that is, and that is so incredibly beautiful and conscious and alive. If you can operate from that center, then we'll be less attached to when we say something or who we say it to and can more blend with the actual situation and let love be primary, because I think that's the truth of the universe. Well, and I think that's why you and I get along so well and why I would say we're very much aligned because there's so many people in this space who are talking about the terrible things that are happening in the world. And I absolutely recognize it and I see it and I think that we need to deal with it. But at the very same time, I'm such a positive, upbeat, optimistic human being and I'm always focused on the solutions. That's my entire business is all about the solutions. What can we do today to have more freedom, more liberty, more prosperity in our lives? I don't want to just keep beating people over the head with doom and gloom and doom and gloom and doom and gloom because I don't think that that's actually moving the ball downfield. And for me, we have to stay focused on the freedom and the liberty and the prosperity aspect of it. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, strategically, tactically very wise. And also philosophically, it's simply the truth of who we are. You know, life wants to thrive and it wants to thrive through us. And it also wants us to deal with reality accurately. So can we entertain different points of views at the same time without our head exploding? Can we be patient in a conversation with someone who's not up to speed on the same things? And I think particularly as humanity is bifurcating right now into such polarity in terms of health worldviews and political worldviews and ethnic and gender and race and age and class and all these different excuses for illusionary divides. I think that there's never been a more important time to realize that who we are is not only connected with other people, and quantum physics now is validating that. We're all entangled. We're all connected. We are actually one with everyone else and everything else. And from a visceral realization of that, we're going to treat people better because just like you wouldn't go beating on your right arm, when you realize you're connected with everyone in the universe, for me, it just builds my patience and my sense of reverence and appreciation for life itself and for all the different forms that it takes. Yeah, very well said. Well, you mentioned accurate thinking, and that's one of Napoleon Hill's principles. And it's probably one of the principles from Napoleon Hill that nobody likes to talk about is the accurate thinking. But I think it's really important. And to your second point, absolutely. I think that there are so many ways that human beings are more alike than we are different. But what's happening with mainstream media and with Hollywood and with basically everything out there it's all about divisiveness. It's about putting a wedge between people. Now, I've been traveling for over 20 years straight. I've visited over 100 countries. I've met people from every corner of planet Earth. And I can tell you, by and large, people are exactly the same. And if you meet 1,000 people, 999 of them are going to be quintessentially good. The problem is that right now, that 1% they're the ones who have really seized control. And there's just so many problems that are coming from a very small minority. But the way that mainstream media and those in charge would have it right now is that half of the people out there are bad and evil. And really, anybody who is different than you is bad and evil. And they want this divide. So it's a difficult thing to watch. And as an optimist and to see and have an accurate picture or what I would like to think of an accurate picture of what's happening, people be so confused by the situation right now. Yeah. 
Well, let's continue on this bifurcation theme for a moment because the major bifurcation, somebody asked me the other day, how would you simplify the entire world situation into a sentence? I thought, whoa, that's a good question. What I said was that humanity is dividing itself between those who believe in collectivism, in that the group matters more than the individual. So whoever is ruling the group should be ruling over all the individuals. That's one path. And then the other path is recognizing that the group is an abstraction, you know, like a dozen. It's useful abstraction, but it's not real. What's real is the individual. So even a so-called group or a dozen is made up of individuals. And the physics of it is that we are each electric circuits between space and Earth. Rudolf Steiner laid this out really beautifully in all the energetic studies that I've done for my entire life. I mean, it all confirms that this individual sovereignty is just not some cool philosophical concept. It's the truth of it. It's the physics and the metaphysics of who we are. Because if someone tries to put a whole bunch of us together in a concentration camp or stop our ability to speak or act or, or create, what happens is it starts short-circuiting us, literally. And ultimately, the circuit will snap back at whoever is interrupting. Whereas on the other hand, if we're actually free, if we're free to follow the non-aggression principle, which I know you know well, but in case anybody in your, in your audience doesn't. It simply says that no one is allowed to initiate force or fraud against anyone else except in true self-defense. It's the simplest notion in the world for morality. And if our world were based on that, we would actually be in a thriving world. I think that's the key to the entire thing. But if we are in a condition of where we're each free to move on this planet as long as we're not violating anyone else's persons or property. What happens, and the, the history shows it very clearly, the more we move toward that, the more prosperity, the more security, the more happiness there is on the planet because each person is actually evolving themselves creatively. And out of that, when we free ourselves as a civilization to live that way, we will be thriving beyond any of our imaginations right now because that's our true nature. I absolutely agree with you. You know, I had a, another gentleman on the show probably four or five years ago now. His name is Richard Mayberry. He's an incredible author. And one of the things that he often says is that natural law, the non-aggression principle, it is a natural law. It is not a man-made law. Now, whether the law comes from God or the cosmos or anything like you said, I don't know, but it is a natural law. And he says that you can prove it and you can prove it with science. And the easiest way to prove it is go out there and break the law as many times as you can in one day and see what happens in your life. At the end of the day, is your life better or worse? So lie, cheat, steal, hurt, harm, you know, everything in a day and see what happens. And it really doesn't matter. Once again, to my point on travel and where you're from or who you are, it doesn't matter. I, I've been to North Korea. I've been to Iran. I've been to Zimbabwe. I've been to these countries that are supposed to be evil and bad. And there's good people there and there's bad people there. And the Western world, which is supposed to be the champion for freedom and liberty, I've seen many bad people there. So it happens on everywhere on planet Earth. Now, the real difference is that government feel like or decide that they have the monopoly on violence and they don't have to follow this natural law. They can really do whatever they want because they write it in a book. That's a man-made law. And with the education system that's out there in the world right now, they really confuse natural law with man-made law. And that's where I think we're having so many problems. And to your point on collectivism and group thought. This is fascism. You know, the ends justify the means. Well, the ends never justify the means. Everything needs to work in accordance with natural law. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. And it's why they, the government's expressing the myth of authority, the myth that anybody should rule over anyone else, whether it's an individual, a small group, or the mob, in terms of even if we had a a real democracy, it's still mob rule. So in education, which really has been taken over by the government, their fundamental job is to get you to believe in that system and not actually question authority. 
So I think what's been happening recently with, you know, the health mandates and the lockdowns and the economic collapse and so forth is just that there are millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people across the planet who are actually needing to wake up faster than they might have otherwise, because it's actually taking away their job or it's making them sick or they can't be with their grandmother who's dying or their kids can't go to school and on and on these various authoritarian mandates. So as horrendous as that has been for humanity, I actually see a silver lining in that, that it's in the larger cosmic picture. Maybe it's what it took to wake up enough people on the planet that they can question authority and then explore, well, okay, if nobody was ruling anyone else, and yet there were natural laws, like nobody gets to violate anyone else's person or property, what would humanity be experiencing? What would the planet look like? And that's what I've devoted my in the last 30 years and the rest of my life. I've devoted it to researching that and then trying to communicate as effectively to, as possible to people what that opportunity represents, because I think that the fate of humanity hangs in the balance. Well, we have a mutual friend, Paul Rosenberg, who coincidentally has also been on this show. And I remember he was talking and he said that the homeschooling movement in the United States, and I'm going to completely make up the numbers because I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like pre-pandemic was 3% of the population. And now today, 30% of the population are doing homeschooling. So it's an amazing jump in the amount. But it's so weird, or maybe weird is not the right word, but it's this arrogance, I think, of the globalists or the elite or whomever it is that you know are responsible for so much of this, that they thought that they could push so hard, so fast, take away so many freedoms, and look what's happened. And in the end, more people are being woken up. People are pulling their kids out of state-run schools, and they're teaching them separately. And I think that the main reason, just on this specific point, why we're seeing such a movement in the homeschooling is because when the children were doing remote education and the parents were actually looking over their shoulder, <laughs> <Right>. what type of <laughs> BS is being taught in the schools, it was just shocking to them. You know, I think that really so many parents out there had no idea what was being taught in the schools and have now pulled their children out and are awakening, as you had said, to more things. And that's why I think that the work that you do with your documentary and with the Thrive and the Solutions Hub and all these things, I think it is so massively important. Thank you. Well, my wife, Kimberly, and I, she's my beloved and my creative partner. She's the producer, director of both of those films and co-writer. When we were working on those films, one of our major goals was to save people time as much time as possible, because I was literally had the privilege of spending a lifetime seeking the truth and seeking real solutions. And most people don't have the time for that. So that's why we ended up making the first film. And we joked before we put it out, we truly didn't know whether it would just need to be broadcast out to some other planet or put in a time capsule for when Earth is ready, or whether people would actually respond well to it. And we had a big premiere and it was 700 seats in an auditorium in San Francisco. And we put it, the tickets on sale at 6 a.m. and it was sold out by 6.20. This was just <laughs> from the trailer. And then it started going viral that night all over the world and hasn't stopped. There's still close to a half a million people a month seeing this film. This is 10 years later. So to us, that was hugely encouraging that humanity not only is ready for the truth, but a large percentage of humanity is hungry for the truth, not just because it's interesting, but because they actually want to solve these problems and get on with our mission, which is to thrive. You know, it gives me so much hope when I hear something like 94 million people have seen your documentary, because doing this type of work, it can be kind of lonely sometimes, you know, we're fighting the good fight. And every day we put our heads down and we're trying to share what we learn and help people and inspire and make a difference in someone's life. But I really feel like sometimes, are you alone? Like, is, is there anyone out there who is really getting this? You know, okay, I have a big audience, but when you compare it to what people are believing in mainstream media or the things that they're watching, it seems like just 
a drop in the bucket of compared to, you know, what else is out there. So when I see something like this, where it's like millions of people, a hundred million people are seeing that, and now they're going to be talking to their friends and family, and they're going to be encouraging other people to watch it. And more researching is being done. I just think that it's that exponential growth, which is really going to work in our favor. That, and we're actually speaking the truth. I mean, right. <laughs> when we're going up against lies on all front, it, it certainly helps to have truth on our side. Yeah, fortunately, we've got truth, we've got love, and we've got literally the life force itself. We have reality on our side. You know, we have enough free will in life that you can deny, as Ayn Rand said, you can deny reality, but you can't ignore the effects of reality. <laughs> they will catch up with you. And I'm really glad you brought this topic up because it it truly is one of my favorite right now because I've gotten to travel all over the world. I've gotten to meet so many people, particularly through the Thrive Movement and films and so forth. And this dynamic of the kind of dark night of the soul that goes on for every single one of us as we're getting red-pilled, as we're actually waking up to seek truths beyond what the establishment has told us, I don't I haven't met anyone for whom it wasn't not only lonely, but potentially nauseating, painful, painful for some period of time. And that, so it's a dark night in the sense that you're facing darkness and you're facing potential deep loneliness because you can't necessarily be assured in the beginning that anyone's going to understand what you're seeing. And the great news, my guess is your audience is, is super aware of all of this, but for anyone out there on the internet who might see this later on, if you're wondering, if you're sensing some deeper truths and wondering whether or not to take the leap, what I have seen 100% with thousands and thousands of friends that I who have made this transition is there is a period of loneliness and questioning and who am I and what's going on in the in the world. But then as you get grounded in truth, what happens is you begin a lot of new relationships, either with new people that you didn't know before or with people that you knew before who are willing to go into deeper conversations about the truth as well. And those friendships are way deeper than any friendship that is dependent on, well, don't we won't talk about this, or we, we share the same religion or gender or uh, race or something like that. No, this is the deeper conversation that is based on truth and is based on freedom. And those two ultimately are two sides of, of the same hand. And relationships based on truth and freedom are the only way that I see that humanity is actually going to make it as a species. So I personally can't imagine a time in history. It's risky as hell right now <laughs> with you know global you know destructive weapons and bioweapons and chemical weapons and nuclear weapons. It's a very dangerous time. But on the other hand, there's never been a time when a single person like you or me sitting in front of a microphone have the potential to make a difference in other people's lives like never before. That is so well said, because I have really seen this as an expat. I left home 20 some odd years ago. I've gone out there to make my way in the world. And the people that I have around me now are my chosen family. I have my birth family and, and I still love them to certainly go back to our point that we mentioned earlier. But the people that I spend time with right now are there because... I want to. And I have so many of my private clients who have become very, very dear friends of mine. I put on events. We're building communities, like physical communities, not just online communities, but communities with hundreds of homes in them where people of like mind can come together. And I think that this is so important to be able to spend time. And when you actually meet people who are of like mind, the relationship blossoms so fast. It's amazing to watch, you know, you can meet someone today and then tomorrow you would describe them as your best friend or one of your very good friends, because it doesn't really have so much to do with the longevity of the relationship, but the shared connections that you have together. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that so specifically in your particular profession. You know, I visited various expat communities around the world but I've never been immersed in it the way that you are, because I'm still in the U.S. But it's a really good point that you make, that you're relating all the time to people who have done a really big thing. Leaving your country of origin, oftentimes leaving a lot of family and traditions and culture and all that stuff, 
is a really big deal. So it sounds like it, it makes sense that it would be kind of a self-selecting group in that people are actually thinking for themselves about really important things. Mm -hmm. So a bit of an update for you guys. Our Facebook group, Expat Money Forum, has grown so fast. It's unbelievable. I think we are at around 6,000 people who have joined the group. It's pretty funny in there, I have to be honest with you, because sometimes we get these really woke commies that try to join the group. They last like a week and then someone pushes them out or they say something that upsets and these social justice warriors just start crying and get really, really angry and throw a fit and think that they're tactics of being a victim are going to work in our group. And it's just not the case. So it's so funny. I want you guys to see what's going on in there. We call it shaking the tree. So anytime you see in the group, someone shaking the tree, either through a meme or something that they're putting out, it just, it's so funny to watch the reactions. Anyways, the group is growing like crazy. If you're not a member already, I highly encourage you to join. It's free. There is no cost. And you can either find it by searching for us on Facebook, Expat Money Forum, or go to expatmoneyforum.com and it'll redirect you to the site. We're having so much fun over there. If you haven't joined the conversation, I hope you do soon. That's it. Let's go. Now, earlier you mentioned that you have been in this and you've been seeking truth for many years. I'm kind of curious, do you remember the moment or do you have a story from when you were first red-pilled where you, your eyes were kind of opened? Because I'm really curious about this. Absolutely. I mean, the, there was the pivotal moment. It was a moment when the quest began. I didn't have answers, but the moment was when I was in sixth grade in elementary school in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the teacher said, okay, we're going to do what's called a nuclear attack drill today. And what's gonna happen is this sirens are gonna go off and I want all of you to move back your chair, duck under your desk and put your arms over your head. And because this is practicing for in case there's someone has dropped a nuclear bomb nearby. So I'm literally, the siren goes off, which is scary as hell anyway. Then I'm under my desk and I'm thinking, okay, I don't know a lot about nuclear bombs, but from what I've seen, I don't think this desk or my arms <laughs> are going to help me at all. And if this is the best that the adults in my life have to offer, I need to start thinking for myself about relations and about energy. <laughs> and, that, and that was really the beginning of the, the path for the rest of my life. Well, it's like the childhood game, peekaboo. <laughs> the child covers their eyes and they think because they can't see you, you can't see them. It's like, I'm not sure that's how nuclear blasts work. You know, if you cover your head and you don't see it, well, then it's not going to get you. And if, yeah, if that is the best that they can come up with, then that's scary. But more than that, why are they trying to scare small children with the thought of complete devastation at that age where they know that? This is really not a solution at all. This is not, hey, okay, let's practice going down to the nuclear bunker 100 meters underground or something like that. Like, I certainly believe in being prepared, although I would probably take that at a very far extreme level. I do believe in personal responsibility, but it goes back to our conversation about accurate thinking. Yes, I think that we need to have be prepared and, you know, have some water on hand and food and, you know, things like this, but we also have to have accurate thought. And in your example, that's not accurate thinking whatsoever, but it's very interesting to hear your story about how you came to this and started questioning authority and questioning society. Well, I had a knack, it turned out for math and science. So at this elite school that I was at, they took about a half a dozen of us who had, you know, similar leanings and put us with a special teacher. And this guy was visiting from England for just a year. And he was the best teacher, academic teacher I ever had. And he really helped open my mind. And he never would answer a question like with a period at the end of a sentence. He, he'd go, well, that, you know, that's interesting. And I, you know, here's some resources you might check out, but you know, just keep thinking about that. So when I was traveling on a school bus, he was also the tennis coach. So I was on this bus going to a tennis match. And I had this vision that I depict in animations in, in the, the film Thrive One, where I was gazing out the window and the lights blinking through the trees and so forth. And I suddenly had this vision of an atom 
with the nucleus with the electrons going around the outside. And then it morphs into a solar system with the planets going around the outside. And I thought, whoa, that's amazing. I never thought of the similarity before. And then it became a human being with this toroidal, you know, this donut-shaped energy field around it, just like the atom and the solar system. And I realized in that moment that that was me. Like the human was where like halfway in between that really small and really large scale and that I was being shown something really important in answer to my quest about how can we relate to energy. So I ran up to the front of the bus and sat down with this guy. His name was Richard Mellish. And I said, I just had this vision and this is what I saw. And to his credit, instead of saying, well, duh, he said, wow, what a fascinating vision. Keep going with that and let me know what you come up with. And I did. That was the beginning of my just diving in to the physics and cosmology and math and so forth that ultimately led to the realizations that are depicted in Thrive 1 and Thrive 2, because we're finally there. The unified field theory that Einstein was seeking is now being realized. And I've been fortunate to be a part of that on the geometry end of it. Well, it's so wild to look back through history and find these points or monumental things that stood out in your life that really shaped you as a human being, because you can really only connect the dots looking backwards. You can't connect them going forwards. You know, I dropped out of school when I was 12 years old and people all the time ask me, you know, like, wow, like, how did you know that things were going to be okay? And how did you know that you were going to be successful? And how did you know all this? And I'm like, I didn't, I knew that the situation I was in was wrong and I needed to make a change. And that's what I was focused on. Now, looking back, I can see, okay, that was that pivotal moment for me when I was 12 years old that shaped the rest of my life when I left school and had the courage to stand up and said, no, enough, this is wrong. A lot of it tends to happen right at that age. There's a guy named Joseph Chilton Pierce who's written a book called The Magical Child where he went all over the world and visited different cultures kind of looking at when spiritual awakening happens. And it's between ages seven and 14 for young people. I know my longtime friend and colleague, Nassim Haramin, who's been the main physicist working out the unified field theory that's just being divulged now. We previewed it in Thrive 2, but now it's about to come out in a you know, a landmark paper. Same thing happened for him. He dropped out of school when he was 13, 14 or something like that. And he just knew in, in his soul, he knew that he needed to carve his own path. So he has no advanced training in technology and math, any of that stuff. And here he is completing Einstein's work. It's Amazing what you can do when you have the drive and the focus to be able to do this. And it's really why I'm so against state-run school, public education, because I really think that they beat this out of you on so many levels. They take that curiosity and that creativity and the critical thinking out of everything, and they take the fun out of it. And when you are allowed to learn things that you are extraordinarily interested in, there's no limit to what you can do in life. Like, it's just, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking before about this loneliness process of when you really follow your own true path and you end up meeting these people who are also following their own true path. And that's the bond. What I'm particularly excited about now is now that these two films are out, I've shifted my attention to what we call the Thrive Solutions Hub, because I had the realization that the most powerful thing I could do uh, in the world right now that isn't being done by anyone else that I see is to create a, a platform on the internet that is decentralized, it's secure and no censoring, it's open source, but it's been designed to allow individual sovereign people who are critical thinkers and who are working on real whole system solutions that don't violate the non-aggression principle to allow them to connect with each other, either locally or virtually all over the world by sector, you know, by sector, I mean, is it infrastructure? Is it health? Is it science? Is it art, spirituality, economics, that kind of thing, or by issue, you know, is it GMOs? Is it vaccines? health freedom? Is it free energy? What to, so that people who are already like-minded in the way that we've been talking about can instantaneously find each other all over the world. So we've been developing this technology for about a year and a half with a, a team of software developers. And we've been in beta for about nine months now and people are in and loving it. And so we're just putting the finishing touches on it. We'll probably be launching it 
to the world. It's been just by invitation only so far while we're testing it out, but the world will find out about it in the fall and probably will open the doors to it, to the entire world, at least to all ethical solutionaries worldwide in October. Well, first of all, congratulations on the amazing work that you're doing with the Solutions Hub. I mean, I've had a chance to take a look at it. It's such an important idea. But more than that, I really love how you are not just focused on one thing or trying to control the conversation and say, this is the thing that we need to be talking about. You let it up because there's so many different types of freedom. Like you mentioned, there's freedom in health. There's freedom in religion. There's freedom in energy. There's many different types of freedom that we can have in the world. And to be a complete being, we need to have freedom on many different levels. The work that I do is very much focused on solutions, but I do really like the legal side and the immigration side and the tax side. And this is my little niche and it fits in the work that you're doing. And this gives me an opportunity to learn about other people's works and other people's fields and where they're an expert, where it's not my strong point. So we can come together on these different types of things. And as you had said, if it's all coming from honest, ethical, moral people who believe in the non-aggression principle. And so many people ask me about, or if, if I say the word libertarianism, there's so many people who have a negative connotation to it or think that it's a political ideology. For me, it's not a political. None of this is political to me. Actually, this is a North Star. This is my guiding light. The non-aggression principle, do all that you say you will do and not encroach on other people or their property, is my North Star. And it's the filter that I put everything through. And for you to create a solutions hub with this at the center of it, I think is just brilliant. I think it's just amazing. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming. Remember, as I was setting out on this unusual path, my father sat me down one time and he, he said, Fossa, I just have a little concern that you're dabbling in too many things. <laughs> and I said, well, I can really understand how it wouldn't make sense from the outside. But I said, first of all, I'm not dabbling. I'm really serious about what I'm doing. And secondly, I think tapping into so many areas, I said, I think that's my specialty. And he got, and he, he respected me. You know, he really, really listened. He said, okay, you know, go for it. I look forward to following your progress. And then Buckminster Fuller, who was one of my mentors and, and real heroes, he called it comprehensivism. He studied, he wrote something called the Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth. And he said, the main risk that we are under is over-specialization. He said, people need to specialize because then you have a division of labor and all that kind of thing. But you need to have enough comprehensivists in the culture that someone's putting the whole picture together so that you're not creating weapons that are going to destroy yourself or toxins in, into your food. It may sound like a great idea financially or in terms of security or something like that. But in the larger picture, you may be destroying yourself, which is usually how most species go extinct. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I often joke not really joke, kind of serious, that public education, what they're trying to do is have highly specialized individuals, but they can't tie their own shoelace. They can't <laughs> wash the dishes. You know, yeah. It's like right. you can do brain surgery and that's amazing, but you don't know how to tie your shoes because it's a different type of field. And I really think that being a generalist or, or having being a Renaissance man and having many different masteries I think is a huge advantage and it really is contrarian to what is happening in the world. Like I mentioned, I mean, I do immigration, I do tax, I do financial planning, I do all these different things. And I don't just go deep on them, I go very wide. So now when I work with a private client, I'm able to bring in many different things. And it's this cross-pollination of ideas, which I think is really, really important. Well, it's been interesting getting to know you and considering what you do, because I've been fortunate to travel all over the world, but I don't own any residents outside of this country. And a lot of people have been saying to me, well, you know, do you, have you got your go bag ready? Have you got your retreat spot in, in another country? And I think those are really useful ways to think. I haven't completed that process of thought or action yet. I absolutely love where I live and I want to live here the rest of my life. I have a ton of family close by and I don't want to either leave them or, or have to move all of them, ideally. So I wasn't really taking it very seriously until re recently I interviewed a guy from Australia named Max Egan, who's a very knowledgeable activist over there. And I asked him because he, he was not in Australia when I interviewed him. He was in Mexico. And I said, Max, what are you doing in Mexico? 
And he said, I had to split in a hurry. And so he told the story that, you know, he's a very bold guy who talks very openly about what's going on. And Australia has been turned into a major police state there. So he said that what happened was that he was getting informed by various people who really respect his work, that they were coming after him. And literally, he had to pack up within two days and split to Mexico. And their SWAT teams arrived at his house the next day to take him to prison on false charges. And we know from Julian Assange and many others what can happen to you in prison. So it's been very sobering to me to realize. So I've been thinking more, okay, is there a place that I could run and at least buy some time? Because I know this is a global agenda. So I look forward to private conversations with you to really pick your brain about what are your favorite places and what are some of the steps that I should do, at least for Kimberly and me in the meantime, to at least have the option. Because I'm an expert in self-defense. I taught Aikido and other martial arts for 20 years. So this is a time to apply nonviolent self-defense as wisely as I can. So we'll do that on another conversation. I really respect what you've done. It's huge. Well, absolutely. I'm more than happy to help you with that. The way that I like to think about things is I will make an assumption of what I think is going to be the best outcome. And I will try to base my life on that. But at the exact same time, I try to ask myself, well, what if I am wrong? What if I am completely wrong? What is things going to look like then? And I try to hedge my bets on every single front. So right now you have a beautiful life in the United States and That's fantastic. But what if you're wrong? What if the US falls? Well, you need to have a backup. And well, what about with that backup? Maybe you should have a backup for the backup. It's always how far you want to go down the rabbit hole. But I think it's important to logically look at things in the best that you can and say to yourself, you know, what if I'm wrong about this? What if my assumptions on what is right is not correct? You know, we're even doing the same with our children. And I can give you a tangible example. I mean, I believe that the United States and Canada and the Western world, I believe that there's still a lot of freedom to be had there. But when I was looking for a partner and a soulmate, I met my wife and and I was very open to marrying someone from China. I wanted something completely different, or I wanted my children to learn a language, which was going to be the rising hegemon. And my daughter speaks fluent Chinese now. She's six years old. And we lived in the Middle East and we decided that maybe that wasn't the best place for her. But we started looking around and we moved to Panama so that she could learn Spanish. One of the main reasons. We had we had multiple reasons, but that was one of them. So at six years old, she speaks English, Chinese, Spanish, all at native level. And now she's learning Russian as well. It's always like, okay, well, what if this area, this region, this jurisdiction, what if I'm wrong? I think that this is going to have more freedom, but what if I'm wrong? And trying to always prepare myself and the family for these types of things. That and the seeking of freedom is really what the show is all about. And that's why I think you're such an important guest for this program. Thank you. Well, that inspires me to ask you a question, given your unique perspective. And as you're such a, a global citizen, and so aware of what's really going on and of what's possible with individual sovereignty and so forth. My question to you is simply given everything that you know, what are our chances? How how are we doing? Wow, okay. I think that the arrogance of those in charge is so enormous that they have no touch with reality And they really think that they can do whatever they want. And really, that's what we've seen over the last two years is just this unbridled arrogance. And I think that although the last two years has been extraordinarily difficult for many people out there, I think it was an important step because the awareness that is out there could have taken us another hundred years to come to. And we've now consolidated it, compressed it into a two-year period. And I think that this will be a pivotal moment for humanity going forwards. I'm not saying that we don't have more difficulty in front of us, and I don't think that they will go quietly into the night by any stretch of the imagination. I think that things will get worse before they get better. But ultimately, I do believe that they will get better because of this. I agree with that. And I think that your word arrogance is very accurate also. My personal working definition of arrogance is ignorance with an attitude. And I think that 
you're right that these sociopaths and in some cases psychopaths who are behind this agenda for global domination, they literally are ignorant of love. They're ignorant of the life force. They don't know about intimacy. And I, I've met some of these people and had chilling conversations with them, heard from a lot of, I've spoken with refugees from these secret societies and so forth. And it's, and it's really chilling. And it confirms exactly what you're saying is they don't know who the rest of us are. They don't know who they are, so they can't know who we are. So they don't know what is in store for them. And my prayer for them is that they wake up in time to actually get the healing and be able to join a thriving society because we are in the process of obsoleting them and we'll welcome them into a healthy society, but not with their current behavior. I don't see much hope for them because I think with these sociopaths and psychopaths, I think what it is, and and this is from my understanding of the definition, they have no empathy. They cannot take themselves and put themselves into someone else's situation. Now, you can and, and I can and most functioning human beings, adult human beings can absolutely do this. They can try to experience and look at things through someone else's lens. These people don't have, and, I, and I'm almost hesitant to use the word people, these monsters really don't have the ability for that human compassion. Because if they did this, none of this would be happening. So I think that it's difficult for people like you and I to get our heads inside someone like that, because we don't know evil at that level. You know, we've not experienced, we've not seen it. It's not in us like them. So it's hard to kind of understand the motives and the the direction of these types of things. I don't know. It's, it's a hard situation. That's why I'm really actively promoting the whole notion of moving to a stateless society where no one has authority over another person. Because if you picture that we, we sat down, let's say the people who are listening to this and you and I and our family, we all sat down to create civilization. The last thing that any of us would do is say, okay, well, let's centralize all the power in a few people in a hierarchical structure that will reward people who lie, cheat, steal, and murder without any, <laughs> any compassion. And they will naturally rise to the top and they will rule us. We'll, de- we'll de- be dependent on their, we would never do that. So it's very humbling to stop and look around and, and realize, oh, that's what we have allowed to be done by them. Now we just need to wake up, obsolete them, and actually create a free society. Yeah, I would say that this has happened over generations. And what we're witnessing right now is the point, is the influx there, that that small moment in history where everything is culminating in one. And we have a fight in front of us. I'm not saying we don't. We have a hell of a fight in front of us. But this didn't happen overnight. It's been generations in the making. And this has just become the focal spot. Yeah, and the major martial art that I trained and taught was Aikido, which means the way of harmony with life energy. It's actually a nonviolent martial art, which may sound strange to people, but it teaches you how to be humble enough to recognize an attack, get out of the way of it, move your center and turn so that you're actually seeing the point of view of the attacker and then blend with that and then lead that to a resolution that neutralizes violence, ideally without having to to inflict harm. So that's what we're trying to do worldwide is to recognize, yes, that we are under attack. How can we nonviolently see from their point of view? These people are very afraid. They're deathly afraid. They feel like they literally have to control everything all the time just to survive moment to moment. So, okay, they get their healing. But for the rest of us, we lead the energy of these incredible inventions and institutions and communication systems and so forth. Now we can start instead leading that toward whole system solutions in every sector without violating the non-aggression principle. And that's actually really simple. It's actually what's happening everywhere in every sector on the planet already. It doesn't mean it's easy to accomplish, but the principles are simple. And as we've said before, we've got life force and the reality on our side. Definitely. I think that it's so important to understand that we can build a society and a 
community and interactions with other human beings and not have to play by the same rules. I think that, of course, circling back to what we were saying before about peacefully removing yourself from the situation and building something new. That, I think, is the name of the game right now. You know, trying to fix politics from the inside, it has been tried and it does not work. And I don't even think that it slowed anything. I think it was just a lot of wasted energy. I think at this point, we really need to be focused on building from scratch, building from new, based on these moral compasses that we've been discussing today. Yeah, I think politics, when you look around, it's destroying itself already. We just need to have the viable alternatives on the table when this house of cards come down so that politics doesn't destroy us or the planet itself uh, during its demise. And I do believe that that's happening. Well, what is it? Sun Tzu who says, when your enemy makes a mistake, let them. And I think that that's what's exactly what's happening. Right. You know, look at mainstream media, look at politics, look at government, look at what they're doing. They're shooting themselves in the foot every single time. And now truth media, which you're an important part of, and we're trying to be as well. Truth media, a lot of people don't know this. It's already the mainstream. Mainstream media is dying on the vine. Joe Rogan has five to 10 times the audience for each of his shows that CNN has on any show in primetime. And those statistics are only growing. And it's like when people caught on so fast to our first Thrive movie. It's encouraging to me to see that given the alternative, people are flooding to the media whose mission is the quest for truth rather than serving the government, serving the pharmaceuticals, serving the oil companies, whatever it is. Yeah, I think that these are really important conversations and they need to be said from time to time because as we said, you know, it can be lonely and people out there a lot of times I think feel like they're alone going through this situation, whether that's awakening or finding freedom or becoming an expat, which is my very small niche in all of this. There are a lot of people out there and it's just about getting connected and working together. Foster, I love the conversation today. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. If my listeners want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about what you do, if they want to watch the documentary, where can we send them? Yeah, it's all really simple. Just go to thriveon.com, T-H-R-I-V-E-O-N, thriveon.com. And both of the films are there, a lot of other media, a couple of hundred of my blogs and videos and so forth, as well as you can try out for free my show called The Freedom Portal. And then also, if you sign up for The Freedom Portal, then you you can automatically join the Solutions Hub and begin checking that out prior to the launch in October. So thank you for the opportunity to come on and you know trusting me with your <laughs> network, Mikhail. It's really exciting what you're doing. It's an exciting time to be alive. And I appreciate our friendship and alliance in this amazing project. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Foster. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of today's interview. Make sure you guys check out my friend Sven Lawrence's work at Undervalued Shares. I really love the work that he's doing. If you guys are interested in the stock markets, in equity investments, then it's really helpful to have a trusted source to get your information from. Now, he runs a product called The Weekly Dispatch. It's completely free to join, and I highly encourage you do. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued, and you'll be able to sign up. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued, all one word, and sign up for free. He also has a paid newsletter, which I think is $49 a month, and then a lifetime membership. I am a lifetime member, and I love his work. Every single month, I get a special research report. I go through it. If it makes sense, then I look at investing in those companies. He has a really worldview. He's an expat himself. He's traveled extensively, and I just love his work, and I think you guys will too. So all you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued and check it out. Okay, have a great week, and I will see you next Wednesday. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. 
I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.